Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickman. And this morning we have with us from the Atlanta area, Shauna Woods, who's an attorney with um, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to have you. Nice to be here. Excellent. So uh, we're still, it's still morning time here and we got to keep with the theme of latte with a lawyer. What's your morning coffee or beverage of choice? My, I'm, I'm double fisted in the mornings. I've got coffee and water going uh, for about three hours to wake me up. Oh, nice. All right. Three hours to wake you up. Wow. <laughs> you must sleep. You must be a good sleeper. <laughs> or not a good one or at all. Or not a good sleeper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not, actually. Lately, I've, I, I'm having a hard time falling asleep. So coffee is definitely my friend. It's good stuff. So uh, so you obviously, by the name of your law firm, I mean, you're, you're a family law attorney. Tell us about your practice. Or our practice is the Atlanta Divorce Law Group. We focus on all things family law, includes child custody, divorce. Um, I particularly like to do prenuptial and postnuptial agreements. I, I think those are really challenging and fun. Yeah. And uh, we have offices all over the metro Atlanta area. Great. Well, and why? Let's dig in deeper. So why do, why do you like the uh, the pre? I've, I've had this conversation with lots of uh, family attorneys lately, and that seems to be in vogue here. So what 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 is it about that that you like? Family law in particular? No, no, no. You said you like the uh, the the prenuptial postnuptial. Oh, the prenuptial yeah. and postnuptial agreements. Yeah. So one of the things that I talk about with the prenuptial agreements is that you really should be having these conversations, these hard conversations, the financial conversations, right, before you get married, because that's going to actually set you up for success. You know what to expect from the other person. How much are we going to save? How much are we going to spend? What can I expect financially from you? Uh, what you can expect financially from me? Those type of things, you have them before the marriage when you're both coming from a place of love. Yeah. Right. Instead of coming through the divorce when you're both coming on very resentment. Postnuptial agreements, which I'm a fan of if you were trying to work on your marriage, but you're scared what's going to happen financially if it does not work out. Right. And so that fear of if it doesn't work out really affects the ability to either reconcile or realize that you don't want to reconcile. So if you go ahead and have a postnuptial agreement that says, if we don't work this out, this is what it looks like. You put all that fear over here, right? And then you're able to really have a conversation about, do I want to be in this with you? Is this for me? And does that work, that approach? Do you think that's an effective way to do it? I do. I think it works. Um, I do think a lot of postnuptial agreements do come at the, you know, at the end of an affair or perhaps another type of infidelity or their financial infidelity or something like where there's trust issues. I do think it can help repair those trust issues. And if it doesn't and they do end up not reconciling, it makes the divorce so much easier. Yeah. No, well, it's, okay. It's interesting. Way I mean, I, I don't have a prenup or a postnup agreement, but I mean, to me, all that stuff about finances and 
you know, how you do that is very fluid. Like to set that out like a formal business plan seems awkward to me. Well, it's not necessarily a formal business plan. It's more like, what are your expectations? Um, for instance, if somebody's going to stay home and raise kids and the marriage does not work out, are we expecting, you know, that they'll be compensated for the fact that they gave up part of their career path, right, to, to raise children? And, you know, when you think about 50% of marriages that do end in divorce, I think it's a very, I guess, uh, proactive way of dealing with a relationship. Yeah, no, no, I, I listen, I, I, I totally get it. I just think it's, those are hard things to quantify. And uh, I, it's, those seem like, I mean, I know that people do it. And I assume that the people that are really doing it have serious assets to protect, but the average couple getting married I mean, are you seeing it with just everybody or is it sort of high net worth? No, I would say, honestly, we see a lot more entrepreneurs and really what you're looking at, especially talk about small businesses, right? Yeah, and we have yeah. a lot of people who listen to probably your show that are small business owners. Small businesses created during the marriage have a value, right? right. Yep. And they may not think that they have a value beyond the person who runs it, but they actually do. And there's a forensic accountant who's going to put a value on that in the event of a divorce. And say he puts a value on it that you don't have cash at hand to give the other person half of, you could end up walking away with none of your personal assets and only keeping your business, right? right? Or you could work, walk away with having to completely sell or destroy a business because of, of the way, and this is a key point here, the court's dividing it. When you get a prenuptial agreement, you're deciding how things are going to be divided. When you don't, if you don't reach a settlement, it's a court, it's a stranger who's going to tell you how it's going to be done. Yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get, I've heard that and I get that. That makes complete sense. But well, the, the, the example you're using with a business, of course, there's lots of upside value that hasn't been realized yet. Okay. And, you know, things start as small and then they become big enterprises. And I, I've heard that story from another practitioner where it ended up being a multi-billion dollar asset. And they were yeah. happy that they had created a prenup agreement. Well, and, and think about it, too. Say if you have partners, right, and your partners are now subject to what's going to happen in your divorce because the value, they still have a value in the business. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And so you you love this. It sounds like you know this was your dream to become a an attorney. So, and and how, how, where are you from? Are you from New Mexico? I looks like I you, am. you are okay. And how'd you end up in Atlanta? Tell me about that. You know that's a great story. I, um, I Georgia was not on my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> there, I had, I'd never been to Georgia. I never thought about Georgia, and I was a third year law student. I was actually going into the Air Force. I was going into the JAG program. That was my trajectory. That was the plan of action. Clovis, New Mexico. Well, Clovis, New Mexico is where I was born, and then I went. I'll to say a funny Africa. story. The reason why I know that is because my my one of my brothers was actually in the Air Force. It was stationed in Clovis, New Mexico. Yeah, so they've changed yeah. that base now. It's a different, it's not an air base, it's still a base. But yes, the, it, there was an air base all the time growing up. So yeah. that was part of, you know, I my mom's family was military, you know, so there was there was a trajectory for me to go into the military and to be a lawyer in the military. Okay. And I met a guy named Bubba Head. 
Now you gotta love you gotta love that name. The great name. And he was from Georgia, and he was giving a continuing legal education out in Albuquerque. And he started interviewing me without me even realizing he was interviewing me, and and talked me into coming out. He flew me out to Georgia. Uh, my daughter was about. 12 at that time and he put us up in the Ritz and he took us out to all these fancy restaurants and I was like well George is fabulous uh <laughs> of course that's not always the reality of the yeah, situation yeah, yeah. Yeah. but he wanted to start a family law section of his particular firm so he flew us out there and really convinced me that this was what you know what I was destined to do. And it was it was a really kind of moment where it did change my life drastically. And he's still a wonderful mentor of mine, although the family law portion of his firm never really took off. So I got derailed from the Air Force by Bubba Head. That's hilarious. That's a great story. So I mean, those are two very different places. So, so how long have you lived in the state of Georgia? Since 2003, so 19 years. Okay. And, uh, and, and it's, it's on the, uh, it's on everybody's mind these days, whether you say it's on your mind or not, as the song goes, I mean, it is right with the, uh, the, the political debate going on. Yeah, we are hot and heavy in the middle of it. I think Georgia's a very interesting state, has a lot of business that comes to it, right? Yeah. Especially in the metro Atlanta area. We are still, we have two counties here in the state of Georgia that are always top five in growth. Um, in the country. Uh, and it's it's really exciting to see the kind of diversity that's actually happening now in Georgia where it wasn't before. Well, it depends on your point of view, whether you think that's exciting or or not, right? I, I guess it does depend. <laughs> I, think, I think the diversity can be a really good thing. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. I'm teasing you. I'm, I'm kind yeah. of po poking the beer a little bit. I, I think there's, there's some people who, who always want to keep things the way they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Atlanta is a, is a very vibrant, changing place. I mean, just like, I mean, your neighbor in Texas, too. I mean, again, people don't want it to change, but it is changing. It's very diverse. I mean, a place like Houston is extremely diverse. And Atlanta is probably very similar, you know, warm yeah. weather, people want to be in a, a better climate. And so it's, you're getting a lot of growth. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. Uh, we've got the, a lot of the studio industry is here yep. now. And I think that's really changed a lot of things that go on in Georgia and in Atlanta in particular, because you do have a lot of, you know, just people who not necessarily are working nine to five. Right. And so it brings in a different perspective altogether. Yeah. Um, so do you miss New Mexico? I miss the food. <laughs> you miss the food. Well, oh, uh, Southwestern. What is you can't find? Yeah, so New Mexico is very unique. You know, that it's not Tex-Mex. That's a completely different thing. But there's, you know, our the the state question is red or green and they mean chili, right? And it oh. goes on top of everything. Okay. And so I've had to kind of learn how to make my own New Mexican food uh, so that I can get the fix. But I do miss Albuquerque. I love Santa Fe. I don't get to Clovis a whole lot because it's in the middle of nowhere. Right, the middle of nowhere, I would imagine. Yeah, interesting. So, um, I mean, I, I, again, reading your background a little bit, it looked like, you know, you, you knew you want to be a lawyer. Tell me about that. Why did you want to become a lawyer? Yeah. Aside from the great story about becoming a family lawyer. 
Yeah, so I actually wanted to be criminal law when I thought, when I went to law school, I thought that's where where I was going to be. And it really was, I had a strong sense of justice, right? I, you want to, you're very idealistic when you're young and you come in there thinking I can right all the wrongs in the world and, you know, the Aaron Brockovich's and, you know, in in the, the, what is it to kill a mockingbird you know all of these things you think that's what lawyer is going to do right that you know walk in there and and, you know shake the earth and there are smaller moments that add up that make you feel like you are accomplishing something as a lawyer but yes when I was young I just thought you know let's go change the world got it and and did you want to be in the courtroom and and do jury trials we don't get a whole lot of jury trials in family yeah. law. Most of them are bench trials. Right. But yeah, I love being in the courtroom. Uh, and I always have. It's it's a world onto its own, right? Yeah. It's a stage. And you are kind of directing all the actors for this one, especially if it's just a jur- uh, judge trial, for this one particular audience member. Right. And you've got to keep your eye on this audience member to make sure Am I getting my point across? Am I getting them to laugh? Am I getting them to cry? You know, what are they getting the story, right? Are they buying yeah. into our story? And it's very strategic. And it really is at the end of the day, um, one of those things where you just put it all out there. Now, most like I said, most of the time, if you can get a case to settlement, especially in family law, that's the better way to go. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But yes, I enjoy litigation a lot. So how, how, I mean, how do you prepare? I mean, the strategy, you know, you're talking about strategy. I mean, what is your process to ensure that you have the right strategy? How do you test that? Yeah. So strategy starts at the very beginning in that first initial intake meeting with the client and deciding what their particular goals are. So each, you know, each one's going to be a little bit different. What am I strategizing for? Are we, is this a custody case? Is am I focused on saving a small business? Is it, you know, I need to have this person in the house. So what, that's where we start, right? And we start with the strategy, even at the very beginning of when we send discovery, do, you know, if we're going to do depositions, when we do depositions, Mm -hmm. it's a timing thing because in family law, a lot of times it's also psychological, right? And you're moving these things along at a pace to make sure that you're gaining your client's optimization of whatever it is they want. So then you kind of start laying forth, what is my story? What's my theme? Now, my theme may very well be um, have a, a person who you graduated from high school, went to work in a company right away, started their own business, raised it up to be a multi-million dollar business, nearly billion dollar business. And is it really fair that the person who did not contribute to this business, who lunched, you know, um, all the time, who wouldn't have their nails done, you know, is it really fair that she share completely in this business, which is going to destroy the business, right? Is that the fair thing? Now, if I'm on the flip side, Here's this woman who gave up her entire career to support him in his pursuits, right? Right. It's about telling your story. Yeah. It's about getting your story. And the strategy behind it is what evidence do I need to support my theory and my story for my client? Got it. Well, how do you test that? I mean, do you ever use focus groups or 
do a mock trial? Fairly focused groups, but it's more of an anecdotal. First of all, again, we're in front of judges most of the time. Yeah. So most of the time you kind of know which way your judge leans. Okay. Is it the same um, judge typically in, in the county? Say that again. You get the same judge often? No. So that's what's fun. <laughs> In the metro Atlanta area, you have several different counties. So you have to know your counties pretty well. Yep. You know, you've got Fulton County, which is dead set in the middle of Fulton, and they're going to be a little more liberal than your outerlying counties, yep. right? In, in the beliefs, uh, and we're talking about change, right? Sure. How things have changed in Georgia. But you have judges who are in place, especially in the outerlying counties, who may be a bit older and a bit more traditional in their thought processes and how they, they view things. Right. So... And you got to know which counties have the judges that switch out and which counties have the same judges. Got it. Got right. It. Yeah. So we've got one county over in Gwinnett where they swap judges in and out all the time. You never know who you're going to get when you walk in the door. So you kind of have to adjust strategy and tone and all of the and evidence as you go along. Right. Again, it's about watching that person. Sure. Um, and then you've got Forsyth, where you've got your three judges. That's who you get. You know, you assigned a judge at the beginning of the case and you know who that is. And they've all been up there for years. OK, is there I mean, have you had any really interesting high profile, you, you have the. Uh, the Housewives of Atlanta, you've had any of those on there. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> But you probably have some pretty no. problem. I mean, you know, and, and yeah, I'm afraid that we've had, and this is anytime we do have high profile people come through the door, you know, I have to have the speech with the entire staff of you may get calls from the media, you right. may get, you know, approached by somebody, you know, on Facebook or, or, you know, in your own social circle. And you always have to say that's privileged, right? You have to even everyone down from, you know, our receptionist to, you know, the managing partner, we all have to toe that same line because it's especially when we have somebody who is high profile, whether it's a celebrity or it's a politician or, a, you know, here in Atlanta, we have a lot of ball players. Right. Any of those, right? People are interested in what is the background, what's going on. And it's fun to be able to say, oh, well, I have the secret about so-and-so. But again, with family law, you're dealing with so many very delicate issues and people are trusting you. So we really hold that trust dear to our heart. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, you have to do that. Um, interesting. Um, so, what? I'm, we're a tech company, um, a legal tech company. So, I'm curious about your practice. Uh, do you guys use technology in the practice, and how has that changed? And what's your view on that? You know, technology is extremely necessary in everybody's practice, especially when we went through COVID and we did a lot of trials on Zoom. And there was a learning curve for all of us attorneys on how to present evidence over, you know, video. Um, but it's very helpful, right? When we're talking about gathering evidence, it's helpful. Yeah. Um, it's helpful in so many different ways. But I look at technology like I look at my car. I love my car. It's a fun little thing that I, that I get to drive and it's necessary to get to me places. But do not ask me to open that hood and tell you how it runs. Right. Right. So we have to have people who are the experts that come in and help us with the technology. 
Um, and the older the the attorney is, the less they want to, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody was forced to accelerate their learning to some extent because of the because of COVID. So I mean, everyone Absolutely. uses Zoom now, right? Everyone uses it's it's interesting. I mean, before people would have a, a phone call, even if it was on a bridge, sure, no one would turn the camera on. Now everybody does it. It's become the new norm, right? Well, absolutely. It really has. And we've, you know, had to learn the Zoom protocol, right? And, yeah. you know, all of the, the screen sharing and everything else that we've had to adapt to, like, again, to present evidence. I do think it opens up some issues when we're having, like, witnesses in different places. You know, they're logging on from their home or they're logging on from their office yeah. or, you know, because in a, in a controlled courtroom the witnesses aren't allowed to hear each other's testimony any any we don't know who's in that room oh, you know yeah when we're on zoom so i do think it presents certain difficulties but overall there's status of conferences that are now on zoom that i hope we never go back to in court for yeah well it, it cuts a unnecessary travel right uh, things like that, which, which you, you just become more efficient with your time. Absolutely. Right. Um, all right. Well, good stuff. Uh, what would what would your advice be to someone who's going to law school and thinking about going into family law? What would you tell them? I would tell them to make sure it's your passion. If you think that, uh, you know, this is where I'm going to focus just for money, go do something else. Yeah. Uh, you're messing with people's lives. You're messing with people's uh, livelihoods and kids. And if you don't have a passion for it, just go do something else. If you do have a passion for it, make sure that you're able to separate your emotions from your client's emotions at the end of the day. That might not be so easy to do, right? It's a learned skill, but it's very important. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so just, and final thoughts here, um, what do you want to leave with the audience about your firm and uh, what's the best way to connect if they want to learn more about your practice? Absolutely. For the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, that is their website that you can go to. We recently have a podcast that the owner and I have started called Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. Nice. Uh, we don't necessarily talk about divorce. We actually just talk about relationships and the intermingling of different things. Uh, one of the initial ones was um, identifying toxic relationships and setting boundaries, you know, so that you can, don't have to be in one. And that could be a partnership. Uh, Atlanta Divorce Law Group, find us on the web or call us at 678-203-9893. Excellent. Well, good. It's been uh, fun. I'm getting to learn a lot about family law, as I've talked to many, many of you folks. Okay. Um, it's interesting, but definitely... Uh, Prenup and postnup agreements are all the rage now. Everybody is doing that stuff. So interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go the rest of my life without one, but. Um, I hope you do. <laughs> I think I'm I lucky. I hope you live so. a good, happy marriage. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. Um, anyway, so for everybody, again, this is uh, Shauna Woods with the Atlanta Divorce Group. And uh, this is hosted by Emotion Track with a C. And we are a legal tech platform that helps litigators prepare for mediation and trials. So thank you very much, Sean. It was fun to spend time with you this morning. It was great. Thank you for having me. You bet.